Good morning, and welcome to By Special Invitation. I'm Bill Snyder. Today we hear a performance by the Southern Tier Singers Collective led by William Culverhouse. The concert consists of music from the 1500s from a manuscript acquired by Binghamton University. Here is Associate Professor of Musicology Paul Schluss to give us some background about the manuscript and how it came to Binghamton University. Good evening. My name is Paul Schluss. I'm a board member of Southern Tier Singers Collective and I'm Associate Professor of Musicology at Binghamton University. And in both of those roles, I'd like to welcome you to our concert tonight of music from the chant manuscript of La Crocetta. I'll be saying a few words about this very special book and the music you'll hear tonight. But first, on behalf of STSC, I'd like to thank the Broome County Arts Council, Monsignor Putano and the staff here at St. Patrick's, and from the Binghamton University Library's special collections, Blythe Roveland Brinton and Jeremy DeBell, all of whom helped make it possible for us to perform tonight with the manuscript itself here on view. Finally, I want to thank all of you, our audience. Tonight's concert was originally scheduled for March 2020 and had to be canceled just a few days before as the COVID-19 pandemic hit. Despite our organization going silent for over a year, our audience's patience and generosity have allowed us to stay afloat and come back this year with a full season of free donor-supported concerts which will culminate with the world premiere of Zenaida Robles' Mass here at St. Patrick's on April 24th. Thank you for your support and for being here tonight. A little over two years ago, in September of 2019, I got an email from my colleague Marilyn Desmond, a distinguished professor of English and a former director of Binghamton University's Center for Medieval and Renaissance Studies. Marilyn was in contact with an antiquarian book dealer who was about to put out uh, a catalog with several medieval music manuscripts for sale. And they had offered us first refusal to buy anything on the list. So Marilyn asked me what items might be of interest. Almost immediately, the 16th century chant manuscript from the convent of La Crocetta in Florence, Italy, caught my attention. I knew right away that its unusually varied musical contents, its well-attested ownership by an interesting religious house, and its impressive size and decoration would all make it ideal for my teaching and for researchers in several disciplines. The dealer put it on hold for us for one week, but we still had to raise the money to buy it, and it was not a trivial sum. <laughs> There followed a long flurry of emails, phone calls, and meetings between special collections, the Center for Medieval and Renaissance Studies, the Dean of the Library, the Music Department, multiple other academic and administrative offices in the university, and some very generous outside donors. The collaborative effort that went into this fundraising is attested in your program book, which includes a list of everyone who made the purchase possible. Barely two weeks after receiving that initial email, I went to the Special Collections Reading Room for the unboxing of the manuscript from its FedEx shipping carton. As the layers of cardboard, bubble wrap, and tissue paper, lots of tissue paper, came away, I knew we had made a fantastic investment. Word of the new acquisition spread quickly, 
and my colleague Bill Culverhouse organized a small group from Southern Tier Singers Collective to sing at a reception for the manuscript, and soon we proposed a full concert here at St. Patrick's with the book on view. And planning got underway that led, with a long delay, to this concert. The essays in your program book offer a history of the manuscript, or at least as much of its history as we can know. It vanished from sight for about 300 years after 1543, which is the latest date at which it might have been made. We believe it was completed by 1543. Uh, and the essays also include an overview of the chant that STSC will be singing tonight. But for now, I'd like to offer a little more background on what books like this were for, how they were used, and what kind of music they contain. Our manuscript is a book of chant, more precisely what is known as Gregorian chant, which through many centuries and various reforms has been the authorized music of the Catholic Church for well over a thousand years. Not only has this music been sung by choirs and clergy in styles like you'll hear tonight, it has also provided material to composers who have used its melodies in polyphonic choral music, organ music, and even non-religious instrumental works. While the sound of chant may seem simple enough, a single melodic line moving in a fairly consistent speech-like rhythm with gradually unfolding melodic arches, its enduring importance in religious and musical culture make it some of the most influential art in any medium in the history of the West. The origins of what we now call Gregorian chant are difficult to reconstruct because this music is older than the system that was eventually used to write it down. Various regional forms of chant emerged in Europe from the third through the seventh centuries AD, accompanying the development of the Western Church's liturgy of feasts, daily services, and codified texts. In the eighth century, under the Emperor Charlemagne and a sequence of popes, an effort was made to codify and standardize a single collection of chant melodies that seems to have blended elements of Roman and Central European chant. A legendary origin story soon grew up around this new hybrid chant, telling how the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove had sung the entire repertoire in the ear of St. Gregory the Great, who had been Pope 200 years earlier. Although as a matter of history, this story cannot have been true, the aura it provided of divine inspiration and venerable age for this so-called Gregorian chant promoted its widespread adoption and helped to consolidate both papal authority and Charlemagne's secular power as the first Holy Roman Emperor. However, we must remember that the repertoire of Gregorian chant, consisting of hundreds of melodies, many of which were sung only once a year as part of a particular feast, was preserved in Charlemagne's time as an oral tradition. While the Latin texts could be written down, musical notation of the kind you see in our manuscript would need a few more centuries to develop. While we should never assume that an enduring oral culture is merely deficient in some way, the requirement that clergy and choristers memorize huge numbers of complex melodies without the use of notation was evidently a challenge. In the early 11th century, Guido of Arezzo, who is credited with developing staff-based notation, 
wrote about how quickly singers could learn their chant with the aid of his new system. He said, other students have prayed to God for their teachers, even though in 10 years they have gained only an imperfect knowledge of singing. What do you think they will do for us? We can train accomplished singers in a single year or two at most. The origins of Western musical notation clearly lie precisely in this need to expedite learning Gregorian chant. The great virtue of Guido's notational system is that it uses horizontal staff lines and the placement of notes on or between these lines indicate their exact pitch. This is the principle of the notation in our manuscript as well as modern musical notation. And I'll invite you to follow along in your program during the performance tonight. The underlined text in the program indicates the corresponding passages in the manuscript pages reproduced in the middle section of your booklet. And even if you don't read music, try to track the Latin text with its tricky orthography and frequent abbreviations, and the rising and falling contours of the melodies should be easy to follow. As you'll see, the writing in the manuscript is quite large, so that it could have been read by a whole choir of nuns at once, as depicted in the painting also reproduced in the program book. Like most people in religious orders, the nuns of La Crocetta would have sung together almost constantly in daily mass and in the eight services of the divine office that punctuate the monastic day, including evening vespers. Yet one of the unusual aspects of their chant book is that it would not suit this kind of routine singing very well. Whereas most medieval and Renaissance chant books are made for use in a particular service organized in calendrical order, our manuscript has music for both mass and vespers, but only for a selection of important feasts scattered throughout the church year. This suggests that another function of the book may have been for display rather than for sight reading by the nuns themselves. As you'll read in the program essay, Domenica dal Paradiso, the intrepid founder of La Crocetta, seems to have had great success at raising donations from wealthy Florentines, possibly including the famed Medici family that ruled the city. While the sources of Domenica's funds are not known and were at times attributed to miraculous visions, in which the Virgin Mary gave her 100 ducats and said, trust in God and take this money. One typical source of income for convents to accept donations from the faithful was in return for singing mass or vespers for the benefit of a donor's soul. On such occasions, the display of an ornate music manuscript to the donors would have offered an added enticement to generosity. And in the same spirit, we have the manuscript on display to you tonight. And I will just remind you that we are a donor-supported organization. I can't promise what we can do for your soul, but you do get to look at an amazing book. Uh, we had it on display before the concert, and it will be here for a while after tonight's performance as well. So if you haven't had a chance to see it up close, I'd invite you to do that. Um, a couple of the questions that we, that we had uh, before the concert I'd just like to address again. Uh, it is in fact made from vellum, which is sheep skin or goat skin, under covers that are, the cover is original to the 16th century, 
It's leather over wooden boards. Um, the decorations in the book were very likely made by the nuns themselves, the painted initials, the gold leaf, and so on. Uh, it is from about 1543, and yes, this is really it. This is the actual 500-year-old book uh, sitting uh, in front of us here tonight. Again, the program essays will provide a fuller picture of the convent's history and the liturgical items you'll hear tonight, but I hope this talk will give you a sense of the historical and spiritual origins of the music as a guide to enjoying the performance. If you have any questions or would like to see the manuscript up close, as I said, please do come up after the concert. And I'll also uh, remind you that tonight's concert is being recorded for future broadcast. So although we've given you lots of pretty pages to look at, if you could keep your page turning as silent as possible, we would appreciate that. Uh, for now, I'll just ask you to enjoy the concert and welcome the Southern Tier Singers Collective. Thank you very much. The concert begins with the propers for the Mass for Christmas Day, Puer Natus Est.
The propers for the Mass for Christmas Day, Puer Natus Est, performed by the Southern Tier Singers Collective, prepared by Binghamton University's Director of Choral Ensembles, William Culverhouse. Next on the program, two movements from the Mass for the celebration of feasts for the Virgin Mary.
Two movements from the Mass for celebrations of the Feast for the Virgin Mary. From the manuscript assembled in the 1500s for the convent of La Crocetta in Florence, Italy. Next, the Missa Pro Defunctis, what we would call a Requiem Mass. Included in the Mass is the famous Dies Irae melody that has been used by countless composers, including Hector Berlioz, Franz Liszt. Sergei Rachmaninoff, and even Stephen Sondheim. Here is the Southern Tier Singers Collective, prepared by William Culverhouse.
The Missa Pro Defunctis from manuscript of the convent of La Crocetta, assembled in the 1500s. Here's William Culverhouse, the conductor of the Southern Tier Singers Collective, as well as the director of choral ensembles at Binghamton University. Uh, shortly after the, the process of, of raising the funds began, Paul shared with me the exciting news that we were in the process of assembling the funds to, to make the thing happen. And uh, I was not present for the very first unboxing, but I did get to see it shortly thereafter. And it was really, really exciting. And when I finally got to see the manuscript itself, I immediately thought, oh, we must put on a concert of this stuff. And how did you get the music from the manuscript to the singers? Well, it was actually... Uh, not particularly high-tech, although with the miracle of the resolution possible on iPhones nowadays, the image quality was pretty good. But Paul simply went in and took iPhone pictures of every single page of the manuscript. And we shared the, f the folder of all of those images. And then I assembled those images into rather lengthy PDF documents of multiple pages at a time. There are a total of six documents with multiple images in them that the singers are using, but each PDF document has every single page that we are singing from in full color so that the singers are able, if they have access to a color printer or if, as is the case for quite a few of them, they are singing from their iPads, um, they are able to sing from full color images of the manuscript looking at very much the same thing that the members of the convent would have looked at when they sang 500 years ago. And for modern singers, that's some work. It is indeed. And so one of the things that we as contemporary singers wrestle with is the fact that we don't sing this stuff seven times a day, 365 days a year. And so there are a lot of details of musical performance and execution that are not present on the manuscript pages. The manuscript pages show us pitches, and sometimes they show us duration, and that's about it. And we have to extrapolate the rest. We're able to extrapolate the rest based on comparing this manuscript with other manuscripts and other editions. Um, but I, for performance purposes, simply to be practical, I actually annotated every manuscript page image with additional markings into the PDF documents that shows the singers where to take a breath, where not to take a breath, what to lengthen, what to move through quickly, what to go back and repeat, what to move onwards, etc. And so part of the rehearsal process has been getting used to not only the square notation itself, but also let, uh, acquiring, absorbing the additional information that I've annotated on top of the manuscript page images. 
The concert continues with propers for the Vespers for the Feast of the Discovery of the Cross, performed by the Southern Tier Singers Collective.
The propers for the Vespers for the Feast of the Holy Cross from the 1543 manuscript from the convent of La Crocetta, performed by the Southern Tier Singers Collective. 
The concert concludes with the propers and ordinary for the Mass for the Feast of the Discovery of the Cross, performed by the Southern Tier Singers Collective.
The Southern Tier Singers Collective, performing the propers and ordinary for the Mass for the Feast of the Discovery of the Cross from the 1543 manuscript from the convent of La Crocetta in Florence, Italy, recently acquired by Binghamton University. William Culverhouse prepared the singers and Paul Schluss gave opening remarks. The concert was recorded on Sunday, November 14th in St. Patrick's Roman Catholic Church in Binghamton. The recording engineer was Jeff Sahara of Nuclear Studios. For more about the Southern Tier Singers Collective, go online to southerntiersingers.org. Thanks for joining us. I'm Bill Snyder, and this is WSKG Classical.